Sullivan. It's Cinema Bums. I'm Wade. And I'm Emmett. Cinema Bums is a podcast where we watch through every single movie and popular film franchises, one each week to try and track how the storytelling changes over time. Today, we are continuing our miniseries, Denny for Two, covering every film directed by Denny Villeneuve leading up to Dune. We will fully spoil today's film, but will not spoil any future entries in the series. Emmett, how are you doing? I am doing very well, but in no relation to watching this movie. Just doing well. (laughs) How about Uh, you, Wade? How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. We're doing an an afternoon record, which Mm -hmm. is rare for us. I just, I felt sort of taken by surprise by the intro. I was like, wow, this is a lot of words. A lot more words (laughs) than I've said today so far. (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, I'm doing especially well because today we're honored to have a special guest. He's a billionaire playboy by day, scarred (laughs) by the tragic loss of his parents as a child in Crime Alley. These days, he lives in a mansion with his butler and has been allegedly connected to a mysterious vigilante who only appears at night. Please welcome Josh Sutton. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. All I can say is that uh, you've never seen me and Batman in the same room. (laughs) <laughs> that is true that is correct that is hard to argue with but i have seen batman and emmett in the same room many times so yeah when he was fighting me and losing <laughs> <laughs> that's right i'll beat up batman I don't, i'll kick batman's ass i don't care wow do you really think so absolutely not but i'd i'd love to get my ass kicked by batman that'd be hilarious <laughs> emmett you would do really good as like one of the one of the guys who like works in the shipping yards. Oh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, <laughs> the henchman. <laughs> yes. Moving like big weapons who goes, hey, what's that? <laughs> and then gets smacked by Batman and is out <laughs> yeah. of the rest of the movie. <laughs> I'd love to see oh, you play dude. that part. That would be fun, man. And then, honestly, I would just be living on that residual for the rest of my life. So I really wouldn't have to do any more work. You could just record for Cinema Bums. My my life's work. That's the dream. Maybe not actually, but maybe the dream is just to be independently wealthy and then just record these all the time. Um, I mean, it would be better than being poor and recording these all the time, which is what we <laughs> right. do already. Right. I was going to say, like, I mean, I don't know. I think the dream is being independently wealthy and <laughs> then just fill in the rest. <laughs> Thanks for being here, Josh. How's it going? <laughs> Thanks. It's uh, pretty decent. Have you seen any of the other Denny Villeneuve movies before before you watch this one? Not any of the ones that you guys have released as of now. Okay. I've seen Arrival and I've seen Blade 2049. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Those, those were the only ones I had seen before we started this series, too. Yeah, same here. So had you heard of this movie, though, or was it? did you go in like totally cold to it? I had heard of it, but I had no idea what it was about. I think there were still a few when we gave you the option because we had been wanting to have you on for a while. And I know this was the one that you picked. So what what sort of made it stand out as the one that you were excited to watch? Well, for stars, it has a cool name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> um, I don't know. The action seems pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And uh, there were the actors in it that I knew. So I was might as well nice. go with yeah. this one. It has a... Uh, Heavily Marvel-oriented cast, I noticed as I was watching it. 
Yeah, that's a good point. Who all who all is in there? Obviously Josh Brolin. Right. And Thanos. Who plays Thanos, Cable. Oh, uh, that's a good point. People. And we'll we'll be playing Gurney Halleck in the upcoming Dune as well. Oh. I had forgotten that we had already talked about Josh Brolin in Deadpool 2. I completely <laughs> forgot he was in that movie. There's the guy who plays Ted in this movie, who also plays the Punisher. Oh, yeah. Oh, good point. yeah. Huh. He was a surprise for me when he showed up. I was like, oh, yeah. that guy's in this movie, too. <laughs> then you kind of just cut to the bar scene, and then you just like see him across, and I'm like... I doubt he's an extra. (laughs) (laughs) And then there's Silvio, who plays Jasper Sitwell in Marvel. Yes. I had that one written down because I I had no idea. He looks pretty different. Is that the old guy? He's the uh, cop dad. Oh, oh, okay. Gotcha. You've probably seen the movies he's in, Uh because they're towards the beginning. He's like... He's the shield guy who's a big part in the first view who ends up being in Hydra in Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. He's also present in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. as well. Wait, the dad who's the cop? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Okay. He looks pretty different in the Marvel yeah. movies to me. But okay. yeah, he is. he's in like three of the early ones. Cool. And you've got Benicio who plays the collector in Guardians. Oh, I didn't even connect that, actually. Yeah, you're oh, right. Oh, whoa. Yeah. Yeah. And Emily Blunt has to have been in a Marvel at some point. No? She hasn't. No. Crazy. Crazy. What What are they doing? I've seen a lot of mm-hmm. fan cast <laughs> that want her and John Krasinski yes. <laughs> for Mr. and Mrs. Oh, that'd be pretty good. Storm. Yeah, everyone online for like the last three years have only talked about them being the yeah. Fantastic Four. Which would be cool. Honestly, I would love to see it. I feel like whenever they do cast it, if it's not them, I feel bad for the people who do get it because the (laughs) internet will not be happy. Yeah. That's a good point. Very Marvel heavy movie. And this, I, this is sort of like right before a lot of them made their first appearance in those Marvel movies too. Mm, Yeah. There was even a couple Marvel movies that came out the same year as this. I know Age of Ultron did. Mm -hmm. I think 2015 is Ant-Man too. Oh, okay. This year's also The Force Awakens. This movie came out like Whoa. a month yeah. or two before The Force Awakens. Wow. Well, speaking of all these other series, uh, now's a good time to say that Bumtober is coming. Bumtober! Where you will be able to vote on our Instagram for what series you want us to cover, that we will be contractually obligated to cover. So if you have suggestions for that and you're listening, you can send them to our email, cinemabumspod at gmail.com, or you can DM us on Instagram at cinemabums. We're not on any other social media, so if there are cinemabums there, they're not us. That's that's all I can say. Uh, Josh, do you have a suggestion for a series you'd like to see us cover? I have to come back to that one. Cool. Well, then let's get into what we're talking about today. We are talking about Sicario. And as the the opening title tells us, the word Sicario is Spanish for Hitman. Do you guys think they called it Sicario because there wasn't already a movie named Hitman? (laughs) They couldn't call it that. I also just feel like that quote kind of gives away the game. What all does it say? (laughs) I don't totally remember. I don't remember either. But I think just telling us that Sicario means Hitman gives away the game. 
<laughs> to an to an audience that speaks predominantly English. It I also feel talks like, about um, it meant like a Roman warrior at one point or something. Oh, like yeah. Oh. Isn't it like all about the word? Like it says, like it comes from the Greek phrase. Yeah. Meaning. Yeah. All right. I'm looking it up. We're just going to do this. Okay. Right now. No. So it's, apparently we're not going to get that. It's everything is just coming up with a quote of nothing will make sense, but eventually you will understand. Yeah. Uh, Which I also think gives away the game. That to me, at least, is like the only thing that tells you where this movie is going. Because there are so, like, so many like different directions it sort of takes in that first hour that I feel like that is the thing that at least lets you know like what like you are waiting for her to understand what is going on. Yeah. And that is what will happen at the end of the movie. How many of these Denny movies have opened with a quote or a title card? Because now I'm thinking it's a good chunk. It's a lot. Okay, let me... I don't remember August 32nd, but Maelstrom does. Da- Maelstrom does. Polytechnique does does it i want to say it does maybe incendies doesn't prisoners doesn't enemy does yeah this does so that's like at least three or four that's a good chunk that's enough to be a theme (laughs) sure well this is indeed the seventh movie directed by denny villeneuve and it was written by taylor sheridan who's a guy i want to talk about here because this is in my opinion like the first time we've seen one of these movies have like an additional distinctive auteur voice of another creator other than just Denny. Mm. But the others have all had other writers as well, right? He writes all of the French language ones right. and the English ones have all have other writers. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, all of the other writers have been like guys who this is sort of their most notable credit. Uh, they're, and they're, so they're more like script writing for a Denny story. What I mean by that is that Taylor Sheridan has a very distinct voice. Okay. Okay. Like all of, as I'm about to read his movies and as you'll see, they all are sort of like the same theme. Okay. In a way that these other guys are sort of guys who've written like a bunch of a wide variety of things. Gotcha. Um, So this dude, it may shock you to hear is from Texas. (laughs) He was an actor first. He was on Veronica Mars and on Sons of Anarchy. This is the first film he wrote, but all of his films are like, and TV, because he also does TV stuff, are like neo-Westerns, mm-hmm. sort of Western movies that take place in the modern day. He, I have this quote. He says, the modern day American frontier mm. is what his films are about. So this is what he's done. He, he's written Sicario, Hell or High Water, Wind River, and those three are like, he, he said, like a spiritual trilogy Interesting. about similar themes, even though they all are unconnected from each other. Right, right, right. Then he wrote Sicario, Day of the Soldado, which is the sequel to this movie, not directed uh-huh. by Denny. The Tom Clancy film Without Remorse, uh-huh. starring Michael B. Jordan that came out this year. Both of those last two are from the same director. And he wrote Those Who Wish Me Dead, which is this Angelina Jolie, like Firewatch movie that came out this year. Mm. He also created and wrote the show Yellowstone, which is one of these shows that we don't hear about anymore because it's on network TV instead of streaming, uh-huh. but is like the most popular network TV show Whoa. of like the last 10 years. It's got like... Um, it's got Kevin Costner on it, is the oh, main guy. Damn. And it's got Jill Birmingham, um, Jacob's dad from Twilight. Huh. When I worked at the salon, I would always hear people talking about Apparently, it. Apparently, it's 
three seasons streaming on Peacock if you want to stream. I've seen a total of none of those, so <laughs> that's good. <laughs> have you seen any of those other things, Emmett? I have seen Hell or High Water. I have also only seen Hell or High Water. I think that this movie and Hell or High Water would dearly, dearly like to be No Country for Old Men. And I don't think either of them is that movie. Hmm. I do think Hell or High Water is really good. Yeah, I loved Hell or High Water. I think it was in my top 10 in 2016. I haven't seen No Country for Old Men. Uh, I mean, No Country for Old Men, we don't have to be the ones to tell you. That movie (laughs) rocks. Go watch it. But yeah. I uh, found it. I got the actual movie pulled up. It says, the word Sicario comes from the zealots of Jerusalem, killers who hunted the Romans who invaded their homeland. Oh, that's relevant. (laughs) That does make it more relevant. And then it says, in Mexico, Sicario means hitman. So, interesting. That does kind of reframe things. You know, I've got to say, before, before we watched any of these movies, Warren told us that, like, all of the Denny movies are much better on second viewing than they are oh, on the first. That's probably true. I bet that's true. Yeah. Of, of this and all the others, honestly. I have a feeling if I watch this again, my uh, review of the film would be much better. Yeah, probably at least a little better for me. I've got to agree. I've been I've been trying this whole series to watch them a good chunk before we talk about them, just so they like live in my head for a while. But I haven't watched i didn't double dip on any of them i will tell you that arrival definitely is better on the rewatch well the next two will be my rewatches yeah i have seen them before and i'm sure 2049 will also be better on the rewatch i'm excited to see it this one the score again by the late great johan johansson who did Mm -hmm. prisoners as well the movie runs two hours and one minute a weird runtime for denny I think the only one that is like this, because as as we've mentioned, all of his movies are like an hour 20 or like two hours and 40 minutes. Yeah. I know Blade Runner and Dune are both like in that two hours, 40 minutes. So this one is like kind of in the middle. Blade Runner is an unconscionable two hours and 45 minutes long. They should have just checked on the extra 40 (laughs) minutes, four minutes. So it could be Blade Runner 249. (laughs) (laughs) Blade Runner 2 hours and 49 minutes Uh, I don't know how to say his last name so I'm going to make a massacre of it but Demi Adejube who's like an internet comedian Mm -hmm. he does like these fake film things and I remember that he had one that was an ad for it was like a TV spot for Blade Runner and all the review quotes that came up were about how long it was it was like (laughs) this is one of the longest movies I have ever seen the New York Times (laughs) let me see released october 2nd 2015 by lion's gate did not work with before budget of 30 mil box office of 84 mil so it was uh successful not like a smash hit but it was financially successful really well liked by critics and was nominated at the oscars for best cinematography best original score and best sound editing Mm. it did not win any of them there we go. Emmett, what would you say to the listener who has not seen Sicario about what this movie is about? Uh, this movie is about a woman who is working, I believe, in the like missing persons unit of the FBI in Arizona. Mm-hmm. 
after a raid on a house where they think they're hostages goes bad and they they're like the house is rigged and there's an explosion and then they also find in this house like dozens of bodies and they realize that whatever they're onto is like a lot bigger than just a missing persons case she gets connected to the department of defense and homeland security and some guys who are basically doing crazy adventuring missions um, across the border from El Paso into Juarez. And this is like kind of important and hard. Like, I don't think they ever really set the groundwork for this really well, but that's super illegal what they're doing. And I think you you gradually learn how illegal it is. But I think if if you don't have a thorough understanding of like how jurisdiction works for the police versus the FBI versus the CIA versus Homeland Security, like I feel these guys are their CIA. Well, you but I think you think or they're homeland. What you told, uh-huh. but you think they're like something else first before you think they're CIA. Because yeah. she, she okay. like thinks they're DOD, and then she realizes they're CIA, and then she realizes that Benicio del Toro's character is also not even that. Is like something even right. more sinister. I think you see from her reaction that like what they're doing is illegal, but it isn't sort of like. They don't make it totally clear. It's hard to tell what like the stakes of the illegality are, I would say, or like mm. what is more illegal or what, you know, like, because yeah. they're all playing on like this boundary, like both on the boundary of the, of the country itself and on the boundaries of legality. I think the movie makes visually very clear when they cross the boundary into the country of like between countries, but it doesn't make the as clear as like when have they crossed the boundary between legal action and illegal action. Mm. I think yeah. she I think she really feels it when they're coming back across and she shoots the guy and she's like we've just like made a complete mess of this. Okay, I'm doing a terrible job explaining what happens in this movie. I think that uh like with the legality whole thing, they're going across the border which is like pretty illegal already. Yeah. And then on their way back, just from the slightest movement of those guys on the yeah. bridge, they yeah. get out and shoot them all. Yeah. Which just- is like that kind of blows her mind yeah and then you get across the border and we get the whole scene with the water jug and it's like oh now it's like cross that threshold even more i think is what how i saw the legality playing out yeah yeah and if we haven't made it totally clear this is about the mexican drug war this is about like them taking on the cartel who are smuggling drugs into america which is what was going on in that first house they find where some of emily blunt's team ends up dead the American side under Josh Brolin is trying to just go in there with a bunch of basically whack job paramilitary guys and cause as much damage, like as much violence to the cartels as possible. They are like trying to get a hold of this guy so that they can like trace up the line to see like to hit him where it like really hurts, like get the big boss. Um, but the whole time they're working with this other guy, Benicio del Toro, who's a kind of a shady character, and it gradually comes out that he is a hitman for the Colombian cartels, and that what they are in the process of doing is reestablishing a semblance of order. They're trying to reestablish a corrupt order because what they currently have is corrupt chaos, and they would rather have corrupt order than corrupt chaos. So they're trying to reestablish the Colombian cartel as the top supplier so they can get it out of Juarez is what I is like what I gather. But that none of that is like very none of that is super clear. It, like individual character motivations are clearer. But like what the plot is, is 
like what the plan is is a little unclear to me i feel the same way watching like and this is definitely a me thing not like a fault of the movie but i feel the same way watching like the modern james bond movies oh, or the mission yeah. impossibles where like I, you can always sort of tell what they're doing in a minute but i'm sort of like which team is this character on like what which federal agency does what i feel like i don't know enough background information always to know about yeah. like the international espionage and like who is running the strings on everything you know yeah I think at least, like, with those movies, you have, like, the other movies setting them up, though. With mm-hmm. this one, it's just, like, you're kind of thrown in there, and I had no idea what was going on. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And because it does begin in the middle of a raid that's going badly. Well, you think it's going fine. Yeah, you mm-hmm. think it's going fine. But, I mean, it begins, like, in the middle. Which, that first scene was the only thing that made sense to me, like, from there <laughs> after that. Yeah, yeah. Until yeah, there's, yeah. like, that whole portion in the middle and then you get to the end and you're like oh this is what's happening yeah hey i just want to say that i remember that this movie has a a surprise appearance by daniel kaluuya oh, yeah. who of course plays wakabe in black panther oh, oh yeah, yeah that's another, that was the other marvel actor i was thinking of <laughs> and you know what now that i think about it not a marvel actor but another superhero actor mm-hmm. emily blunt's boss who doesn't work with the, mm. uh, who works for the FBI, for FBI boss. Yeah. plays a half of Firestorm in the DC Legends. Oh, okay. I thought he looked familiar from something else too, but I was having trouble placing it. Yeah, he looked familiar to me as well, and I wasn't sure. I feel like he's played a lot of those, like, I'm a boss in the government somewhere. In Victor background Garber roles. is the actor's name. Titanic? legally blonde tuck everlasting legally blonde was the thing that i just saw man that's he's the sleazy professor in legally blonde did you did you watch legally blonde recently yeah at the beginning of the summer he's the dad in happiest season i guess that's where i've seen him in recently mm -hmm. wow lots of stuff would would you say that he would be worthy of a that guy award yeah i was gonna say he wins the that guy award for this movie (laughs) in a movie teaming with him really also like as you bring it up daniel kaluuya Incredible in this movie, not not like a big role in this movie, but great. And as you said, like playing a character that he would play. This is before Get Out. This is before his like run of incredible stuff. This right? is the start of the run, I would say, because this, this is, is the this... movie he does before Get Out. Okay, so this is the beginning. And this is certainly like a critically acclaimed, well-liked movie, regardless mm-hmm. of what we may say <laughs> in a moment. <laughs> But yeah, I think he had only done like Mr. Bean and like some other stuff before uh-huh. this. And this is like the start. That's cool. Yeah. And because I feel like he's such like a unique sort of dude mm-hmm. that I sort of thought that since he was in this random part, it would be very different from his other performances. But it is like, yeah, like a sly, weird sort of dude who is very much like his other characters. Yeah, I thought it was super similar to his character in the Marvel Universe or the mm. MCU. Oh, yeah. Where he kind of plays that, like, lieutenant that's not a main character, but still an influential role. What was him and Emily Blunt's relationship supposed to be in this movie? I know that they're work partners. They're, like, work partner friends, I think. I felt almost like they were, like, a work couple. Not in that they were, like, together in any romantic sense, but that they were, they spent, they were, like, so much integrated into each other's lives that they were like they were the other person for each other, even if they weren't, mm-hmm. you know. Well, they're definitely close because he like asks about her talking to her ex husband, 
Mm-hmm. But there's that moment where she's like, nobody's seen me in a bra except you for a long time. Yeah. Which is talking, not talking about like just that moment. Like, yeah, the opinion is that he has seen her in a bra several times. But I assumed that just, well, it didn't seem like it was in a sexual context. Yeah, it seemed Mm. to me like it just meant we live in close quarters. We are like in each other's business all the time. I would also say like with her being in the FBI and stuff with what that first scene, what we saw and then like the shower scene, Mm. I'm sure she gets like covered in like dirt and blood all the time and they're always changing gear and stuff like that yeah Yeah, that's a good so if they've worked together long enough they would have i did think of the scene in the bar though he is like working towards a play for her in that moment and then a wingman no 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 he's like working his way towards like making a move oh okay and then the other guy comes in and interrupts it and like disrupts whatever was going to happen there Mm. i is what i was kind of Maybe, yeah. Is what I kind of felt in that moment. It was just teetering on the edge the whole movie. Yeah, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, what's up with these two? Because he gets, he doesn't get picked to be on the team at the beginning. Yeah. So then I was kind of like, oh, it's cool that he's in this, but he's just in the first 15 minutes. Yeah. And then she asks for him to be brought on later in the movie. And then he's on it for like the second half. Because she needs someone she can trust. He's like, I think the under, like, the undertone there. For a second there, I wasn't sure if he was going to, still be good like if he would end up as mm. uh like betraying uh. them with the whole like him not getting stuff on the mission mm-hmm. and then um him like trying to introduce his old friend ted right. and who ends up being like a corrupt cop uh, yeah. yeah so for a second there i thought that maybe in the end he would like when they split off in the tunnels that something might happen oh interesting that's a good point yeah, you kind of ju- he kind of is just not in the movie once they get to like the finale. Yeah, like he is there, but he doesn't have anything to do or anything but later in the movie. Neither does Emily Blunt. This is <laughs> like she's the she's set up as the protagonist. Uh huh. We are watching this whole thing through her eyes until they go into the tunnel. I mean, like even still, you're like still watching it through her eyes once they go into the tunnel. But it like just becomes a different movie. And you kind of like switch protagonists after that moment for the last 40 minutes. More like the last 20, maybe, okay, yeah, maybe, maybe 20. 30. Just... Yeah. Yeah. I remember having not seen this movie. I remember when the sequel came out, there was some like online controversy about the sequel being focused on Del Toro uh-huh. instead of Emily Blunt when she was the lead of this movie. Uh-huh. But then watching this, I was like, that's also what this movie does. Yeah, it shifts focus at the end. I read that it originally opened with Del Toro before you before that opening scene. Mm-hmm. And I think they even filmed it, but then they made the decision to cut it in the editing room. That's interesting. Mm. It opened with a scene. It sounded pretty intense, but a scene of him like interrogating someone by drowning them. Mm. And then they die. And then he like gives them CPR. And when they wake up, he like then continues interrogating them. Damn. And then it was going to be like title Whoa. card. That is pretty badass. <laughs> but I feel like having that and then the big action scene at the beginning would not. Totally yeah, mean. no. But that would make a little more sense if it was framed by Del Toro, maybe. Okay, well, Josh, Sicario, flop or bop? Um, I think on my first watch, mm-hmm. I would give it a flop. Mm-hmm. But I have a feeling going back over it, a second or maybe even third time, I w- it would might change my answer. Hmm. Hmm. Emmett, I'm gonna go with flop. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wade? Yeah, I would also give it a flop. I'm sad to say there was a lot of stuff I liked, and and we can talk about some of that, but I was just sort of like, I was very confused, and I was just sort of like, what's the point when we got to the end of it? Yeah, I agree. I know very little real world stuff about the Mexican drug conflict, mm-hmm. and I also have not seen many other movies about it mm-hmm. or TV shows. Like I haven't seen Narcos or anything yeah. like that. So I feel like if I had that information, this movie would at least make more sense to me. And maybe I would be a big fan of like the tone it's going for as opposed to other stuff with this conflict. Mm-hmm. But like coming in cold, yeah, I don't feel like I learned much actual information or got whatever the movie was trying to say about this conflict. Also, can we just say if if the metaphor of a Sicario has to do like has to do with killing the invader, that's not what he's doing. No, I think the Sicario is the invader. No, the Sicario is the zealot who is like killing the invaders. He's Colombian. He's not Mexican. So he's not protecting Mexico. He's going in there and killing a bunch of Mexican guys, mm. like Mexican cartel people who like that's on a personal vendetta, but those people didn't invade Colombia. They didn't bring drugs to Colombia. The Mexican cartel did not do that. And it would make more sense if his vengeance was directed towards the Americans who are like screwing everything, like who are like pumping a bunch of money and weaponry and, you know, who basically like started this whole trade back in the 70s with the CIA and all of that stuff. But his anger is never directed outward towards them either. So I think like the metaphor of him being a Sicario doesn't I think that um, it works in the sense that the uh, main drug boss guy invaded Mm -hmm. del toro's homeland oh i see Mm -hmm. like with killing his like wife and yeah child and so he like repels him but it's still not but wasn't del toro in juarez working as a prosecutor isn't that what it was that he was in mexico he says that but is that do we like believe any of that after revelations that we get about him I think we do because we meet the other guy who worked with him. Oh, huh. And he had to have been there sometime yeah. in order for his, his wife yeah, family his to wife. be killed. Yeah, true. It doesn't all quite add up to me. Yeah. I mean, I don't think this whole movie really quite adds up. So. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> Absolutely. I don't know. I liked, I liked the first act a lot. I loved the opening sequence. And as Josh said, I totally understood everything that happened in the opening sequence. Mm -hmm. And I really liked when they go to Mexico the first time. The sequence going across the bridge and the traffic is really Mm -hmm. like compelling action sequence, like a harrowing suspense action sequence. Yeah. I will also say that the music the whole time is Mm -hmm. like phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Like that was the one of the best parts I thought of this movie, that whole bridge scene, the scene at the end. Mm-hmm. I thought the whole music phenomenal. Yeah, it's so tense. The it which is. is like a big part of from the music. Um, yeah, and when they're being like followed in Mexico too, like through the streets. Oh yeah, they see like across the buildings the other car that's going with them. I really liked all of that stuff. But then it was on, on, on. Then I didn't know what was going on, and I felt like there were a bunch of stop and starts. Like there's the all the bank stuff. And then there's all of the her going to the bar and then the guy being corrupt and trying to kill her. It felt like we were just starting a bunch of other plots that then didn't go. Yeah, they don't really get resolved. Mm-hmm. 
I did say I think there were some like things that like weren't very realistic in that beginning scene too though. Mm-hmm. Like with kind of the fact that they just threw Emily Blunt in there because I feel like with a like an op like that they definitely someone would have like fully completely briefed her not like they come in halfway through the meeting and yeah. then <laughs> she doesn't know yeah. anybody yeah and they kind of throw her on the truck and they're just like all right we're going yeah yeah and then she doesn't even know like why they're there or anything also the fact that they kind of like talk about like when they're allowed to get out of the car and shoot their guns and stuff like in the middle of the yeah that they don't know Uh yeah but that just made me think about like how much more this is just a bunch of cowboys like going out there and shooting because they want to shoot not because they actually have any objective to get done but just because have guns will shoot people and they want to go down to mexico where they can do it without getting in any trouble for it that's i mean that's a lot of what i took from it is that there's this big boys club called like the cia and homeland security and they like to kill people and they will kill people and they'll use like any excuse they can to go do it. But the real objective is just to kill. True. I think Josh Brolin's character kind of parallel parallels that with his like being in flip flops in the mm-hmm. FBI mm-hmm. room. And mm-hmm. in my notes, I wrote down at the beginning that he kind of looks like a single dad at a park um, <laughs> with his glasses on and his flip flops. Uh-huh. And yeah. Yeah, I think that is one of the things the movie does best is depict everything having to do with all the different, uh, now I don't know the word, not industries, but agencies, agencies Mm -hmm. agencies that are involved as being like such a boys club. Just in in like all the dialogue you hear and the behavior of everyone. Mm -hmm. And she is like the only female in any of these situations, you know, like I thought that was really well done, much more well done than in, polytechnique where you mm-hmm. have like the one interview scene where they like ask yeah. if what what will happen if you get pregnant you know yeah also the the whole fact that like emily blunt is like half the size of every single other person in this yeah movie mm-hmm. like all there's tons of scenes where she's just like walking by people and they're just like towering over her or like twice the size of her yeah. and then she also doesn't really seem to like win a fight ever and then mm-hmm. she has like the jump on them with a gun yeah. Which is an interesting thing. I thought, like, there's all these, like, just cowboys, I guess. Yeah, but they're, like, she's supposed to be this FBI, like, break down the door kind of person, but they're all more trained than her, which was yeah. interesting. Well, they, I think they're all military, too, or ex-military, and she yeah. is not. She is, and, like, that's kind of part of the reason she's why not, they... She's not, but Kaluuya is. Yeah, he's ex-military as well. But the reason they don't want Kaluuya on at the beginning, I'm now remembering this, or at least one of the reasons they give, is that he's a lawyer. Like, he went to law school, and they don't want a lawyer. Because uh, he oh, would, remember that. Because he would mm. know too much about, like, he would be able to, he would be tracking too much the legality of it. And they barely want her because she's very by the book. And presumably they take her also because she's a woman, because, like, they think that because they can, that she's a woman, they can coerce her into going along with whatever it is that they're doing where they might have more trouble with Kaluuya. Well, even like the twist uh-huh. quote unquote of this movie is just like the revelation that the reason they asked for her to be involved in general is because the CIA needs someone from a federal agency to volunteer to work with them in order to like do these operations on American for, soil on foreign soil. 
Okay. Because she's ostensibly what they're saying she's doing is going in to look for a missing person who they assume to have been kidnapped across the border. Right. Uh, and that's why they're all, that's why she's there and they're all going with her as like backup, supposedly. And that's why she's supposed to be like learning the whole uh-huh. time. Right. But even that twist, like, doesn't that seem like just a procedure thing that she would know? Yeah, it does. It doesn't seem like a twist. And it seems like we've all known that already for 40 minutes of the movie. Yeah, there was something that was going to be, oh, this is the real reason we need you. But then they like have Mm -hmm. that whole freak out scene. But it seems like she already knew the whole time. Yeah. Yeah, it does definitely feel like it's leading up to a twist. Mm hmm. And we get a few revelations like we we learn that and we learn exactly what happened to Del Toro and like who he is. Yeah, but it's not a twist because she calls him out as being like not part of them and like a scary character from like moment one, basically, and is like on his trail. And it's not like a twist. It's just a like, yeah, you're correct. (laughs) And here's why. It feels like if Brolin had just told her Uh in the first scene we need you because of this technical reason. And this guy is a hitman who's working with us. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of the conflict of this movie would be avoided. I feel like they could have found someone that would have been perfectly like fine with doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> if they really tried as well. Because there is this opening scene where they're like evaluating who's going to make it onto their team. And they're like, she shows a lot of promise she would be totally right for this position. But then it seems like they don't actually, it's not actually something where they're trying to like move someone up the ladder. They just need a warm body with them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Is this a flaw of the movie? Is this a flaw of the plan? Who's even to say now? It's just like, I've got to say about, okay. So I want to say about Emily Blunt. First of all, I I really like Emily Blunt Mm -hmm. and I don't think that she gets enough credit because she is like a genre queen. I feel like she is like consistently good in so many good genre movies. And I don't see a lot of like Emily Blunt stands or people who are like, oh, I can't wait to see that. I love Emily Blunt. You know, do you know that when she is in a quiet place, this is the moment when I decided that Emily Blunt was maybe the greatest one, like in the in the greatest actresses of our time is in Uh a quiet place when she hardly speaks at all. But her sub vocalizations, her like whispers are in a, a flawless American accent. That's when I was like, this is this is some like quality skill, just like skill pouring <laughs> out of her, you know, like it's incredible. I think she's great. I think she's either like miscast or miswritten here mm. because I don't really I don't know. I didn't like in general the stuff that she is sort of like a weaker character. Obviously the things happening to her are horrible, mm-hmm. but that like sort of the second half of the movie is like her breaking down, facing off against this like mysterious boys club that mm-hmm. is like pushing against her. Mm-hmm. I think if that is clearly what the movie was about, it would be a little better, but it didn't necessarily feel like that. Yeah. And to be honest, and I don't mean that this is that her acting was bad. Her acting was great, but I just don't believe that Emily Blunt, couldn't handle anything going on in this movie. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. That's the thing. I feel like all of most of the roles we see her in and like what I picture her as is like a strong, like lead character that other people lean on. Mm -hmm. But in this movie, like we get that at the beginning and then she kind of just falls apart throughout. Yeah. 
and even like gives up on her principle at the end mm-hmm. when she's like threatened at gunpoint. Yeah, and then doesn't even can't go through with killing him. Yeah, and for what? Like, I think she would have killed him. <laughs> you know? Were they in America? Yeah, they were. Yeah, but like at that point, it doesn't matter. Like, and he was in her house with a gun. And she knows the government would have covered it all up either way. Yeah. How do you feel about the, that last scene as being a retry of like trying to get the John Proctor scene from the end of the crucible, right? And also still failing because it's just dumb. What is that scene exactly? She says, she says, no, because it is my name. Oh, right. (laughs) Right. Like she's going to sign the thing that says, oh, this was all by the book. He's going to sign the thing that says, yes, these people really were witches. Right, right, right. Refusing to compromise yeah. the morals, even though it means losing your life. Yeah. I just felt weird about the whole last time we saw her. I was like... Yeah. Yeah, I feel like you get this, like, sense that they're gonna, like, gonna, like, become a well-rounded character at the end. But mm. you just, like, get this final shot of her, like, shaking, struggling again with her smoking addiction, and can't even, like go through with what she's like what she stands for yeah and then also i think that finally like really takes the cake for the legality uh standpoint we were talking about earlier like Mm. threatening an american at gunpoint for their signature about an op that was off soil and they killed a bunch of people and yeah yeah if that was the arc of the movie then i would need something up front about her being like a true patriot and like believing fully in the system like yeah nothing we do is wrong so like what seems like seems to us watching it we all said like maybe not that illegal or like slightly illegal like we're unsure how bad the things that happen in this movie are but she seems so shocked to like the point of it destroying her life just by seeing them then i think that needs to be set up clearer that she is the type of person who that would do that to her I don't know. I just assume that Homeland Security is doing evil things. Like, that's just, I just, like, assume that that's what they're doing. So it doesn't surprise me to see that depicted. I'm like, yeah, that is probably exactly what they're doing. There's the, like, scene where she goes to her boss at the FBI Mm -hmm. and is like, bad stuff is happening. And he's like, this came from way, way, way on high. Like, whatever it is, you have permission to do it. Yeah. And then she gets in trouble later for having like gone and and whistleblowed to her boss, basically. Hmm. I feel like I would have liked the movie better if it was like we go to Mexico the first time it goes badly, but they get the guy. Mm -hmm. Then they go like back to Mexico and things go horrible. Mm -hmm. And then like the third time is like going through the tunnels on like the one desperate mission. Yeah. As opposed to it feeling like it spins its wheels for like half an hour and then we go back. Mm hmm. Yeah, halfway through, one of my notes was just very confused. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I'm sure most of mine are like that, too. (laughs) I did like the practical effects in this movie. I mean, mm -hmm. lots of cool stuff. Mm -hmm. They they really drive a truck into a house at the beginning. You can tell that, which is pretty wild. Yeah. And all of like the night vision stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's really cool. That whole scene when Josh Brolin was like talking over the night vision. Uh-huh. I just could not stop picturing Thanos because <laughs> I couldn't see his face. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I thought like that whole scene where Del Toro like shoots her in the body armor mm-hmm. and the whole practical aspect of that, and she's like 
struggling to breathe for like the next few minutes and even yeah. like still when Brolin like throws her down and stuff I thought all the practical aspects of that were really good I just loved the last sequence with Del Toro even though like it was not what the movie was about or whatever I just thought it was like an awesomely staged sequence mm. yeah of him like getting into the house and you find out because the whole movie you've been seeing just like this other family in Juarez mm. and we cut back to them like three times and it's never it's never explained until the end, like how they're going to connect to the story. But it's like the dad is a cop. The little son just wants to spend time with him. And like the mom is worried and we keep, yeah. keep, keep cutting back to them. And then eventually you find out that like the drug runners dress as cops and he's not actually a cop. He's like part of this whole operation and he gets involved in the plot and stuff. But that's another thing where if that's, if that's what this movie is about, then I need more of like the kid and the wife at the end. Exactly. I I was like, what was the point of setting up that whole character if they just like barely show him in that scene where Del Toro takes him and he's dropping off the drugs mm-hmm. and then he like does what Del Toro says and they just shoot him and he kills on. Like, I feel like they didn't really need to have that whole backstory to have that character. Yeah, I feel like this might be like the Denny thing coming out over top of whatever the writer's thing is. Because this feels like a Denny touch, like the the uh, intersecting story that you don't really understand how it all fits together until the end mm-hmm. sort of thing. That's a good point. And that like that humanizing thing that Denny does where he's like horrified by how violent the world is. So he has to show it all to you and he like has to show you the human toll of it. And like he's like, yes, here are all these people going and doing these things and they may or may not have like succeeded in their one mission but let me show you these people at the very end out just trying to play a game of soccer and hearing gunshots in the background and that is their daily life and that is because of all of the things that we have seen both sides of the of the conflict that we have seen uh, like to those people it doesn't matter hmm. so it doesn't matter like who's doing the shooting if you're just like a person living in a city that's plagued with violence like that it doesn't matter if like law or drug dealers are the ones doing the the shooting it's just gunshots that you have to live with all the time that makes me think about polytechnic yeah a bit seemingly not taking a side just like showing literally what happened in this historical event like yeah. it feels like maybe that's kind of similar to what he's trying to do here be like here's as honest a depiction of what we're of what's going on yeah you definitely get that in the beginning scene too where they're driving by and there's those bodies hanging there and mm, yeah also the scene where they're up on the roof and she's looking through the binoculars at like the city just on fire i mean i've driven through el paso and like when you're up and like looking down on juarez it is like it's two different worlds like wow. on other on the either side like you you could as you drive on i-10 you can see both sides and yeah it's horrible i've got a little bit of behind the scenes stuff Sweet. here this is mostly taken from uh this really good article in The Hollywood Reporter called How the Sicario Team Took a Road Trip Through One of the World's Deadliest Cities and by Austin Sigmund Broken. So this movie was written by Taylor Sheridan who wrote it after, I guess he turned 40 and he had a kid and he said that he wanted to stop acting and start writing. So he wrote this. He grew up close to the border and constantly Mm -hmm. around the military, which like informed this movie. Denny got sent the. I love this. Denny got sent the script after finishing Prisoners. And I have this quote from him about reading the script. He said, I remember going through the pages and I was engulfed in the feeling of doom. I was like, oh no, not again. 
All right. <laughs> yeah. Let me see. And a lot of the practical effects we've talked about, they really shot all of the night vision stuff. Like, Oh, cool. That's not stuff they shot yeah. and then put a filter over it. That's with an, an infrared camera. And they also built a full-scale replica of the El Paso Juarez Bridge because apparently that was faster and less expensive than getting the time they needed to shoot on the actual thing. Holy hell. And the budget was only $30 million. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, you got to imagine $10 million of that was just on that sequence then. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, and then another $5 million on Berlin's flip-flops, probably. <laughs> I was just going to say, they didn't have to spend that much on the uh, <laughs> costume work. Yeah. He just pulled some items from his closet. <laughs> They're like, hey, we'll shoot the whole thing at night. You won't be able to see what anyone's wearing. It's fine. <laughs> but we got this bridge. <laughs> <laughs> oh my That's God. so cool. Apparently, Del Toro said that he cut 90% of his character's written dialogue in the script. Uh, what? Which was that he was, apparently he, it said that like he had a bunch of monologues and a bunch of stuff early on explaining who huh. he was. And Del Toro was just like, I think he's a weird, creepy guy. I don't want him to talk that much. <laughs> well, I think he was I like absolutely, absolutely correct. Mm. Can you imagine? Okay. Can you imagine this movie? Same movie, same stuff going on. But Benicio del Toro will not shut up the whole like the whole time. So basically, he's just the collector, <laughs> right? Yeah, right, yeah, right. yeah. This movie already has so much more talking than any of the other any movies we've seen so far. I guess that's true because he doesn't really like. Uh, you know, I've got a quote from him too, where he's talking about he's talking about supporting del Toro's choice to cut the dialogue, mm-hmm. and he said, "Plays are about dialogue." Movies are about movement, character, and presence. And Benicio had all of that. Yeah. Yeah. And then the last thing I've got is that the mayor of Juarez at the time of this film's release, Enrique Escobar, spoke out against this movie and said that the depiction was not accurate at the current time, but that it had been accurate up until about 2010. Oh, interesting. That's Mm. like what the official statement said. It was true that this was written like this was written and inspired by the height of the violence, which I guess was around 2010. Oh, yeah. There was an article, I think, in the New York Times that was about how it was sort of like tough for some of the members, the real life Juarez members who were still like recovering from trying to make it a better place and then got a lot of attention from this movie about how horrible it had been. Yeah. I don't know how they're doing now, I guess, 11 years after, but. That's what I read when this came out. I guess Del Toro succeeded in bringing order. Yeah, I guess so. Okay, let's do let's do MVP. Okay. So, who is everyone's favorite character? I'm gonna say other than Emily Blunt, Del Toro. Dang. <laughs> what? Should we? You cannot take a third person off the, this table. There's <laughs> only four. There's only four characters in this movie. There are a lot yeah. of characters in this movie. Okay, do we want to say just other than Emily Blunt? Then I think other Emily Blunt and Del Toro. I think okay, use, are the two protagonists. Off, two protagonists. Okay, so your favorite character other than Emily Blunt or Del Toro, Josh? You have first pick. Not exactly a serious one, but that uh bomb sniffing dog at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I thought he did a great job. Very convincing performance. <laughs> um, especially when the bomb blew up. Um, <laughs> yeah, I really thought that was a dog. 
I've got to say, <laughs> whoever was playing him. Actually, though, probably Emily Blunt's partner. Daniel Kaluuya? Yeah. I thought he just did a really good job as a supporting mm. character who, mm. like, fit his role really well. And, yeah, it was kind of just one of the more successful characters. Emmett, MVP? Um, hmm. I'm going to go with Ted, the guy who tries to kill her. I thought that his sequence was like John cool. Baranthoff. Yeah, I thought I don't really know what his sequence is doing in the movie mm-hmm. or like how it all ties in, but I thought he was really good. I think he was really scary when he turns. Like he's fun up until the moment when it's not, and then he's really scary. And I thought it was good. That was really scary. I felt like that was the most tense the movie was when yeah. you have those like scenes from his perspective, seemingly of him choking her. Yeah, like. But that's another one of those things where I'm like, like the one woman is the only one who like goes out and gets drunk and tries to sleep with someone. And then he ends up being the enemy. Yeah. And also, I just don't think that Emily Blunt would be the one to make those mistakes. Yeah, I don't think. And I, yeah, yeah, I agree. But also did like Roland set her up to do that? Oh, the yeah, they said that yeah. she did he say the, later yeah. that she was the bait. Yeah. But presumably Kaluuya wasn't in on that, and he's the one who's like, let's go to the bar. Yeah. So did they, like, influence his bar decision or something? <laughs> right. What even they, happened? Did they, they drive them to the bar? There's also that scene where she's like, what is this place? <laughs> um, yeah. The wild bone. So... And if you are, like, a serious drug cartel, and you're, like thing is that you all wear neon blue live strong bracelets <laughs> like what if someone else is just wearing those <laughs> and those are very conspicuous too yeah for a grown man to have <laughs> yes all these intimidating guys wearing <laughs> yeah. these neon blue the punisher in a blue and pink bracelet <laughs> this is so strange the more we dig into this the more oh. i'm like did the critics watch this one <laughs> when they were like that's or did the they thing just... i'm kind of like people love that, this movie thing. i looked at this at the credit the reviews after this and i was uh-huh. like 92 percent on rotten tomatoes yeah like what yeah. yeah i guess like the acting and the the shots were really good but and the shots are good the one shot in the dark of someone like walking towards the camera and you just see like the knife i love oh, that yeah. oh yeah that's and then so it, cool. like cuts and then they are like yeah. Cut to the night vision and there's the bodies and stuff. Also the scene of like the the landscape and then them mm-hmm. like walking down. Oh, that's so cool. really mm-hmm. cool. All of the sunsets in the movie you see too are amazing. Yeah. <laughs> One thing I did write down in my notes though was how when they got there, there was like a huge storm and it was lightning and you could see like the clouds and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then as they start walking down the hill, it's just gone, and there's the sun setting. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh yeah, I caught that too. I was like, "Is that supposed to mean it took them all day?" Interesting. I definitely clocked that as well. For my MVP, I was imagining Brolin would not be on, so mm-hmm. I was considering giving it to like the final boss at the end because uh-huh. I think he does do a pretty good job in that sequence and in like the one little speech he has. But I am going to give it to Josh Brolin, I think. Because he's having so much fun in this movie. The, simply the best time. <laughs> yeah. I like how we basically just picked all of the characters in the film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 we really did. 
We really did. I told you there weren't many. <laughs> I feel like I rarely get to see Brolin like really cut loose. Uh-huh. You know, he's an actor, he's an actor almost kind of like Tommy Lee Jones. I think he's not full Tommy Lee Jones yet, but where it just sort of seems like he is, like both his character and him are annoyed to be anywhere at any moment. Yeah. <laughs> like annoyed that he has to talk to anyone else who's around him and beneath him. <laughs> Fine, I'll do it myself. <laughs> and in this movie, he gets to like flip that into like just being bemused by everyone who's not him. Like having full clearance to do anything he wants and using that to have a good time. <laughs> My other comparison of his character, other than the single dad in a park, was his what if Thanos character. Oh yeah, that's like kind of what he is. Oh, is yeah. the what if Thanos just like chill Thanos? Kind, kind of. of, yeah. <laughs> okay, it's, it's still him. That's in the one where it's what if T'Challa was Star Lord. Oh, interesting. And it's basically that like. Star-Lord would be such a good guy that he could just tell Thanos that that's a bad idea. And Thanos would be like, yeah, I still kind of like it, but you're probably right. <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, and then his whole thing is that, like, throughout the episode, he just, like, talks to random people and he's like, he's yeah, pitching but it's still a pretty good idea. idea. <laughs> but he doesn't do it. <laughs> But he's like super like social and stuff. And he's like the bartender and things yeah, like that. Yeah, that's funny. That's funny. And he has stopped torturing his daughters and like has a decent relationship with them. And then he has that like moment when he goes serious. So it's, it's like really it's mm. actually kind of similar to his character in this movie. Wow. Lots of Marvel all over this movie. <laughs> um, okay, well, let's do final thoughts and then we'll get into a little quiz here. All right. Josh, any final thoughts about Sakaria? This was kind of a specific thing, but mm-hmm. do you guys remember that scene like right after they got off the bridge when uh, uh, everyone's getting out of the trucks and Emily comes out like raging and it's just her and Brolin talking and everyone else has gone inside? Uh-huh. It's just like they just got out of the black SUVs okay. after they crossed and mm-hmm. she's like yelling at him like, what the heck is that? I just had to kill somebody. But they're both like super zoomed out. And you can, like, hear your their voices right behind your head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just such an interesting, like, I don't know. It was really weird. Hmm. Hmm. Emmett, any, Emmett, any last thoughts? I would, would not have watched this movie, I think, if it wasn't a Denny movie. Having said that, I think it is also suffering in my view right now because it's a Denny movie. Mm. And because I'm comparing it to... It, Incendies and Enemy are both two wildly different masterpiece films. And... This movie is feels like a rehash of a lot of stuff that we've already seen Denny do. And we're like, okay, we know you can do desert warfare. We know you can do gritty realism uh, and like showing moral ambiguity and people being terrible to each other. But like, unless there's unless there's some really cool thing in the story itself that like justifies it, I feel like it's a retread of a lot of old territory for him. Mm-hmm. That's those are my final thoughts. Yeah, I thought it was hard to, like, pin down a purpose of this movie. Mm. And, like, this whole time I'm confused Mm -hmm. just generally about what's happening. And then there's also the aspect of, like, is it about informing people about the drug cartel? Is it about, like, what it takes sometimes for things to, like, happen? Mm. Is it about Emily Blunt's character? There's not, like, (laughs) which that one's definitely not about, but... uh. (laughs) (laughs) yeah there's not like a 
like a pin down purpose that I can say this movie is about. Well, then at the end, I was sort of like, is that the purpose or is that just me trying to find a reason mm. it's not clear? Like I was like, is the point that this, this whole conflict is like so huge that you just can't have a perspective or an answer or a good guy or a bad guy? Mm. Or is it just that this movie was so poorly written <laughs> that this movie doesn't have a perspective or a protagonist or a moral stance, you know? Or characters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I I would say, like, if you are listening and love this movie, like, write in and tell us, please, what we're missing. Because... yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Clearly, so many people love this movie. And I would have watched this movie because I've only ever heard good stuff about it. But, yeah, I don't know. I love Denny and I like Taylor Sheridan. I think this just kind of missed the mark for me. Also, if same people, if you were stands of this movie and also stands of the second one, let us know if we should watch that, too. Yeah. Um, Because I'd be interested to see it now that I've already put in the time to watch this one. And knowing that it is by the same writer, I'd be interested to see where he goes with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you think that's worth it, dear listener, please let us know. Yeah. And I think that that was a really good point. You brought up Emmett that I feel like if I had not seen any other Denny movies or in such close proximity, mm-hmm. even I don't think I would have understood the plot better, but I would be right. like, wow, so much better tension than other movies. So much better yeah. practical effects. So yeah, dark, looks really such good. a mood, you yeah. know? Yeah. 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 But when I've been watching so many of them in a row, I, you kind of take it for granted of like, these are the things he does well. Yeah. And I want to see what new he's bringing to the table, which doesn't Absolutely. feel like a ton here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Other than dressing Benicio del Toro like him, <laughs> like Benicio del Toro looks like how Denny Villeneuve looks in real life in this movie, which I just think is interesting. Yeah. And I think like watching this movie six years from when it came out, there's a lot of stuff that like, probably would have been really cool at the time but Mm. like a lot of the practical aspects we've already seen a lot Mm -hmm. of and like the big uh shots and stuff like that is like kind of our normal for movies that come out now Mm. Mm -hmm. so it's not as like shocking factor i guess yeah the flip side of that the thing that i think hits different now is the line where benicio is like finding this guy would be like finding a vaccine. You understand how important finding a vaccine is, don't you? (laughs) And I was like, I probably wouldn't have thought anything about that in 2015. (laughs) Awesome. Well, I think we did a great job covering this movie, to be honest. I feel really good about it. Now it's time for Bums the Word. This is a quiz. I have eight movies here today, which I will be giving hints for. And you all will be trying to guess. And I will say that there is a link between all of these movies. And whoever can first correctly identify the link, what all of these eight movies have in common, uh, will get an extra point. Oh, I like this. (laughs) An extra point. Harry Potter. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Not on this list. Are they all eight Harry Potter movies? (laughs) Yeah. Is the connection that all eight of these movies are Harry Potter? Uh, no, I'm sad to say that would be that would be a better joke though. Okay, movie number one. This is a 2006 comedy. It is sort of a famous 
older actress and like a hot young actress at the time going head to head. It's kind of like a workplace comedy in some ways. You said 06? Yes, this is 2006. Oh, uh, is it The Devil Wears Prada? It is The Devil Wears Prada. All right. Wow. wow. I had never even heard of that movie, so. Oh my God, watch it. <laughs> Immediately. I watched that movie at your house. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yes. I'm sure my mom has seen it many a time. <laughs> it's uh, Meryl Streep and Anne Hathaway. Okay. In like a fashion fashion world. That's what I was trying to describe how, how I could talk about it without saying the word fashion. Okay. Film number two is 2012 sci-fi movie from kind of a one of the rare original sci-fi movies not based on anything else it is kind of a time travel movie in some ways this is also it's like an older action star and an actor who's in a lot of things in 2012 going going head to head men in black it's not men in black an older action star it is oh wait is it edge of tomorrow it is not Edge of Tomorrow. Damn. Oh, that was a good guess, too. Um, yeah, all good guesses so far. This is about... It's about two assassins going head-to-head, if I remember correctly. I've only seen this movie <gasps> once. Is this movie Looper? It is Looper. Two points for Emmett. Dang. Right off the bat, Looper, I, which I'd like to think we may cover one day on this podcast. I also haven't seen that movie. <laughs> oh, I think you'd really like it. Who directed that? That's movie? a Ryan Johnson. Oh, yeah. That would be something that we might like to cover someday. That's uh, Brick, which I also love. Brothers Bloom, which I haven't seen. So good. Looper, Last Jedi, and Knives Out are his five, I believe. Damn. <laughs> and now he's doing Knives Out too. Uh, okay, movie number three. 2011 animated musical. <laughs> Based on a classic story. <laughs> what to say? What else to say about this movie? Tangled? <laughs> no. That is also what that was the first one I was gonna guess too. So Mm-mm. um no, but it is computer animated. Computer animated. So that so similar yeah, to Tangled cool. in that way. Less of like a classical musical and more of like a kid's comedy. Like the songs are less important than they are entangled, but it does have an original soundtrack by like big, big musicians who wrote it. Is it Sing? No, a big hit, big surprise hit. British, most of the, all, I'm not sure. Yes, this is a British production and almost all the actors in it are British as well. Adapted from a classic, a classic story by a British writer telling sort of a classic story from a new perspective it takes place in a lawn. Is it? Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> yes. Oh, damn. <laughs> damn. Damn. This is like the third time Romeo and Juliet has been an answer, and I haven't gotten on this damn quiz. <laughs> that's why I picked it, because we do somehow keep talking about Romeo and Juliet. I guess that's what we got to put on the list. <laughs> I think there is at least one sequel. So it could, yeah, Sherlock Gnomes, I'm reading. It's the sequel. Oh. I'm sold. I'm 100% sold. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Original music by Elton John and Lady Gaga on that. 
with a truly wild cast. James McAvoy, Dolly Parton, Michael Caine, Jason Statham, Maggie Smith. I will Jim say Cummings. an unexpected good movie. I remember liking it. Okay, movie number four. Also from 2011. Big year, big year for this quiz. And cinema in general. I believe it was the best year for cinema since 1938. <laughs> oh, is that what it was? <laughs> um... This movie, 2011, it is a comedy. It is also a musical. It's live action. Similar to the last movie, I would say don't get tripped up on the musical aspect, but this is indeed a musical. This is a reboot of a classic franchise, sort of going in a new direction. Yeah, this is a reboot of the series, and then this movie in turn has had a sequel. I think only one, but in sort of the new series. Hmm. Comedy, mm-hmm. live action, 2011. Mm-hmm. You said don't focus on the musical that much? I'm not focusing on the musical part. <laughs> it is a musical, but it's not, like, tangled. You know, like, it's oh, not... Oh, is like, it Adam's Family? It's not Adam's oh, that, Family. That's not, that is animated, isn't it? It's not Ella Enchanted? It's not Ella Enchanted. I will say, okay, this movie is live action. It has live action actors in it. But there is also other stuff done through effects. There are characters who are not portrayed by human bodies. Murph movie? No, no. But you're you're on the right track of like a classic TV series that was turned into a movie series, and this is like that movie series coming back. Get smart? No. Winnie the Pooh? <laughs> no. I actually I hope I haven't misspoken because I'm not wait, sure if this series wait. was. Is it Peter Cottontail, the legend mm-hmm. of the the rabbit guy, Donald Gleason? <laughs> no, you're in the you're all in the right the right headspace. This is like a classic big series. Like I would say, more well known than any of the series you've mentioned so far. This is like a classic kids family series. It's American. Ah. Uh... American musical comedy. The Muppets? It's the Muppets. Oh, come on. Let's go. Damn. <laughs> How did it take us that long to get the Muppets? Live action. Oh, it is live action. It is it live is. action. It, okay, I yes, it is. That's why I said that, because I was like, <laughs> it, it isn't animated, but. <laughs> all right, all right. All right, we're here halfway through, and the score is tied two to two. Anyone's game still? By the way, if you if you know the link, you can shout it out at any time or have a guess about it. We don't have to sort of wait. Having said that, I'll continue on to movie five. Movie number five is 2014. This is a live action musical, and I will say this is a musical musical. Is it The Greatest Showman? No, that's 17. Okay. This was a, a Broadway musical originally, and this is the first film adaptation of it. And you said live action? Yeah, it's live action. Big ensemble cast, lots of characters, lots of actors. Is it um, Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark? The movie? <laughs> no. <laughs> this is from, I would say, like the, the number one musical theater composer. It's mm. adapted from one of their musicals. Mm-hmm. And uh, what to say about it? It was a hit. It, I believe, yes, it was got several Oscar nominations. It was also like 
critically successful, commercially successful. Uh, it has a talk show host as one of its leads. Into the Woods. That's correct. Let's go. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Corden. <laughs> yes, James Corden. Uh, Into the Woods, adapted from Stephen Sondheim's. Featuring Wade Holloman. <laughs> I was in this musical, not in the movie. <laughs> not in the movie. Strange they didn't come to me to reprise my role. What can I say? <laughs> movie number six. This is a 2014 science fiction film. Uh, this movie has many titles. And I will accept any of them. Uh, Edge of Tomorrow. That's correct. <laughs> wait, wait, what other titles does that movie have? It's so good, Josh. It's like Tomorrow Never Dies or something like that. Okay, uh, Edge of Tomorrow has been released under the names Edge of Tomorrow, Live, Die, Repeat, oh, that's and All You Need Is Kill. <laughs> R- wait, really? And it was released on home video <laughs> as Live, Die, Repeat, colon, Edge of Tomorrow. <laughs> Wow. I hadn't heard the third one, but... I think that is the title of the um, the book it's adapted from. Oh, interesting. Uh, the original source material is called All You I Need can't is believe... <laughs> I would not have thought of that if you hadn't guessed it earlier. <laughs> I am ready to guess for the bonus. Is okay. the bonus that they are all connected by Emily Blunt? That is correct. Emily Blunt oh. is in all of these movies. She plays in Nomeo and Juliet? It's her, and I, I carefully omitted her, but... Her and James McAvoy are Romeo and Juliet. Oh, no oh, and the Muppets? Mm-hmm. She's like She's, a cameo. I remember her as a cameo in the Muppets, and that's when I knew. Dang. Uh, yeah, it was going to become more apparent as the uh, movies went on. But yes, good yeah. job, Emmett. Uh, Edge of Tomorrow, where Emily Blunt is more ripped than anyone has ever been <laughs> in any other movie. Damn. <laughs> okay, let's take it. We got two more. It's Josh with four points, Emma with three points. Movie number seven. This is a 2018 musical. It's a legacy sequel. It's is maybe. It, is it? Uh, 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 <laughs> yes. Yes. A Emmett? star is born. No. Damn it. That's, uh, uh, that's a good guess. I think Star Wars Born was 2018. This is like one of the longest gaps between original movie and legacy sequel ever in history. But it does still have, I think, one singular actor from the original who returns to play the character in the sequel. Oh. This is a musical. It was a big Christmas movie in 2018. A lot of times we get a musical at Christmas, and this was that one this year. A British story based on a classic British character, live action. What can I say? What can I say? The movie itself is sort of like, it has a very similar structure to the original movie. Like kind of about the same thing happening to oh, other characters. Mary Poppins. Um, is, is this movie called Mary Poppins? The Return of Mary Poppins. Okay. Mary Poppins Returns. That's correct. <laughs> 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 a christmas movie yeah christmas 2018 oh it came out at christmas it came out christmas at christmas movie? i'm sorry maybe that was oh, not oh i was thinking of like <laughs> I am rudolph sorry. Elf? i think it maybe <laughs> is set at christmas though but it's but, not super important yeah actually i don't think it is because it ends in a park and it's sunny so no sorry i should have been more clear about that 
Uh, but yes, Mary Poppins Returns. Did you see that, Wade? Yeah, it's great. Is it really? It's so good. Okay. Really underappreciated, I would say. And she is so good. And Emily Dick Van Dyke Pines. Returns, oh, yeah, she right? plays. She yeah. plays Mary Poppins. Yeah. Um, yeah, Dick Van Dyke is in it playing. He plays two characters in the original. So he doesn't come mm-hmm. back as Bert, but he comes back as it's like the, the head guy. of the bank that he played oh. in the original. That's awesome. And he dances. We also have the uh, other adaptation of Mary Poppins in Guardians 2. <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the last movie, and the score is tied down to the wire. <laughs> Let's see who can get it. Let's see who is internet works fast enough to get quickest draw. This movie is a 2018 horror movie. Oh, no. A Quiet Place. It is a quiet place. Oh, dang it. <laughs> a quiet place, too. I thought about doing that, but it is a quiet place. Congratulations, Emmett, and a game of plate to both. Dang it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Emily Blunt, really in a lot of good movies. It's in a lot of good stuff. A lot of good performances and a lot of really good movies, I would say. Wow, I'm just reading that before... Before marrying John Krasinski, she was dating Michael Bublé. Wow. Prolific. <laughs> that's what I have to say. Anything else? No, that's pretty much all the good ones. Oh, Jungle Cruise. Jungle Cruise just came out. She's in My Little Pony, the movie. So all hits. All hits. <laughs> all hits, no misses. Oh, God. Uh, well, Josh, thanks so much for being here. This was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. Uh, is there anywhere people can find you online or anything you'd like to plug while you're here? My Instagram is Josh underscore Sutton 03 and go Wolfpack NC State. <laughs> Any series you thought of that you'd like us to to add I to the bracket? I was thinking about that. Maybe since we talked about it today, the Mission Impossible series Ooh. would maybe be good. There's a lot of uh, interesting things in that. I would love to do Mission Impossible. I've never seen any of them, so I'd be way down for that. I think that'd be maybe the Star Trek series. That's a good one. Would be pretty interesting and hard to pick out which movies you would do, but that's a good one for the supposed purpose of this podcast. Yeah, (laughs) in that there are movies from like whatever the seventies and the eighties all the way through today. Yeah, yeah. I think the first one of those is from the sixties. Well, the series is from the 60s. I'm not sure when the first movie drops. Awesome. Well, we will be back in 44 weeks talking about Jordan Peele's note. (laughs) But we will, in fact, be back before that. We'll be back next week discussing Arrival. The big big one, I would say. The one that all of our guests have seen. The one that afterwards you could say Denny had arrived. That's a good point. Oh, that's a good point. Very clever indeed. Okay, uh, well, we'll see you next week. Stay frosted. (laughs) Cinema Bums is a production of DKG Podcasts. It is created and produced by Emma Temple and me, Wade Lawrence Holliman. I also edit and mix the podcast. Our theme music is by Zane Holloman, who you can find on Bandcamp, and our show art is by Autumn Beckman. Our social media is managed by Laura Bennett. If you like what you hear, please tell all your friends and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, the two best ways to spread the word about our work. You can also follow us on Instagram at cinemabums or email us at cinemabumspod at gmail.com. Don't flake on us. We'll be back next week 